This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It is great to see you all here this morning. Thank you for setting your clocks on time. Um, someone changed the clock here, so we're actually starting on time. So we would have been an hour early. But it is great to be here together in worship. John, would you come forward and do your mission moment? My name is John. I'm the youth director here. This is Tyler. He's in the youth. Um, and we're here up here to talk about the uh, work trip that's coming up. Uh, you probably know that every year uh, in the springtime, the youth do a uh, work trip. Last year, we went to downtown LA. And this year, uh, we're going to Camp Colby, also called Colby Ranch. It's just south of Palmdale. And uh, it's a really amazing camp. Um, they do a lot of incredible ministries. It's a United Methodist Church Camp and Retreat Center that's year-round, um, and so some churches go to stay there. But in addition to that, um, they are, uh, they've been uh, designated by the Reverend David Berkey, uh, who's the head of the camping uh, for the conference, as a specialty site. Uh, and so it's dedicated to reaching out to low-income children and groups with special needs. Uh, it's also the site for No Estan Solos Camp, which is You Are Not Alone, uh, a camp for migrant children who came across the border by themselves. Um, it's also the Northern Conference Home for the Strength for the Journey, uh, which is a camp uh, that's hosted in support of those living with HIV and AIDS. And in addition, they have some partnerships with some inner city groups, uh, like Kid City. You might have heard of Kid City, and they partner with them. And it's just, they're doing a lot of really cool things there. And so this uh, April 8th through 10th, uh, a number of the youth and a couple adults are heading there to do some work at the camp. And uh, it's actually not our first time there. We were there actually uh, back in 2015. Uh, and Tyler was actually one of the uh, people that went. And so he's going to share a little bit about uh, his experience and uh, time uh, at the 2015 work trip. So two years ago, our youth went to Camp Kobe for, on our work trip, and it was a very fun, and our youth had a very great time there. Um, we, we got there and didn't know what exactly we were going to do, and we got there, and they said that you guys were going to blaze a trail and make a new trail for the camp and paint signs and put them on each end of the trail. So we got some tools. They put down some tools. We each picked up a tool and we went in and we started blazing a trail. We didn't know exactly how to do that, but <laughs> we all worked together and by the end of it we did an amazing job and we painted the signs, put them up, and we went through amazed at what we actually did. and. We had a great time, learned all about each other, and it was really fun getting to know people that I didn't know as well in the youth group, but also doing something for somebody else. Yeah, so uh, as you can see, it, it makes a huge impact, uh, both for the camp that we're doing work for, but also on the people that are going. And we're really excited about doing it, so we're asking for two things. One, most importantly, for your prayers, uh, that we would uh, have safety on the road, that we'd have a keep you know the right good attitudes while we're there, and uh, you know keep up the, our stamina, and uh, that we would also bond as a group together, um, so that God's blessing would be on this trip. Also, if you uh, if you feel led to give some type of financial uh, gift, that will be going towards uh, two things: one, to help subsidize the costs for the youth that are going. And then also we're going to be giving a small gift to the camp uh, for improvement projects that they might have. So we really uh, appreciate both your support and your prayers. Thank you.
rain down so we may have joy. He came down so we may have joy. This next song is our closing song every week. We always get in a prayer circle and we hope sedately walk around holding hands and this is our closing song. I thought you might like to hear it. Sunshine Singers is a wonderful way to be called to worship this morning. And a special thank you to Clarita for all of her hard work and dedication to the children. At this time, I would ask and invite Janet Todd to come forward, our chair of our Staff Parish Relations Committee. Good morning. I have been given a letter from the district superintendent, Reverend James Powell, to read to you this morning. Dear congregation of Westlake Village, UMC, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to you as your North District superintendent to share with you the next step in your pastoral leadership. God often calls us to serve in new places and then prepares the way. As United Methodist pastors, we serve under the authority of the bishop for the greater good of the body of Jesus Christ, and more specifically, the California Pacific Annual Conference. As itinerant pastors, we are appointed to our current church community or a new church community each year. After consultation with the appointed cabinet, Bishop Grant Hagia has discerned a new pastor for Westlake Village United Methodist Church. He is the Reverend Walter Dilge, and his new appointment with you begins on July 1st, 2017. Pastor Walt has a great commitment to work towards growing the church through discipleship and community engagement and building the next generation of Christians. In coming weeks, you will want to keep Pastor Walt and his current congregation in your prayers during this time of transition. We will also pray for Reverend Gary Dickey as he moves into retirement. On behalf of Bishop Grant Hagia, we will work together to continue the important ministry at Westlake Village UMC. I will be continuing to work with your church's Staff Parish Relations Committee through this transition 
and pray that God will continue to bless the community you serve. In Christ's service together, Reverend James R. Powell. I will tell you that the Staff Parish Committee had a chance to meet with uh, Reverend Walt. He's very nice, very personable. He is looking forward to coming here and working with our congregation and in the community. He has been in the ministry for 38 years. He is, will be coming from his La Jolla church where he's been for eight years, but he has a home in Ventura. Um, I think that if any of you have any questions, please talk to me after the service. And I was asked before how to spell his last name, and it is D-I-L-G. And I will tell you that no determination has been made as to Brian's future, so you don't need to ask him. So anyway, I will be out in the patio, Sonny Benjamin on Staff Parish, uh, Boyd Donovan on Staff Parish. So please contact us if you have any questions. Thank you. May we pray. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise this day that we join together in community and in fellowship in your presence. We give you thanks and praise for the joy of the itinerant system and an opportunity to be faithful to your call in our ministries to where you might lead. We lift up this day the church in La Jolla who is receiving news of Walt's moving on. We pray that you will prepare them for their next pastor as well as they mourn the loss of Walt. And we pray as well. I pray for this congregation that though we know Gary's retiring, that you will give Walt the wisdom and the heart to walk alongside of individuals, to continue to be faithful to the ministry which he was called to 38 years ago, to serve faithfully your call and your witness. Gracious God, I thank you for all that this church has offered, all that the this community continues to do in your name. And Lord, I just pray that you will continue to guard and guide all of the clergy today who are announcing to their churches that we rejoice in you for uncertainty but assurance that you are God and you've got this. Lord, hear our prayers through Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Janet. At this time, I'd like to invite you to stand as we join in our hymn of celebration, 452, My Faith Looks Up to Thee.
As we continue with a heart for prayer, may we join in our prayer hymn, 286, O Sacred Head Now Wounded. shared your love and grace with us, that we join together in fellowship and in worship to come into your presence that your spirit might move in our hearts and in our lives, that in so doing we will be transformed to know that having been and continuing to be in your presence, we can no longer be the same, but move ever onward in our relationship with you through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And as we come together in worship, and as we come with our prayers and our praise, we lift up the joys and the blessings that you have given to us. The opportunity to rejoice with the gifts and the talents shared. To rejoice for baptisms and anniversaries and celebrations in life. The gift of family and friendship. So many blessings that you continue to bestow upon us that we don't even acknowledge or realize. Yet even in these things, you know that there are hurts and burdens that we bear. That we grieve, not in things, but grieve in loss of loved ones. That we grieve in loss of opportunities and adventures missed. We grieve with those who hurt and who mourn, those who hunger and thirst. But we know to such as these belongs the kingdom of heaven. And for this we rejoice. So glorious God, as we lift up our prayers to you today, may we come but for a moment of silence to lay our hearts before your throne in rejoicing or in sadness, in hope or in fear. We know that you are still God, so may we turn to you now in silence.
merciful and loving God, hear these our prayers, that we continue to raise our voices in song, to pray without ceasing, to offer you our inmost thoughts and desires, but in so doing that we might too lend our ear to your voice and your spirit, that our prayers become the prayer of your heart for people and for those in this world. God, we thank you that we might lift our voices now together in the prayer that your son Jesus Christ, our Savior, taught. That together we too might pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. the ushers come forward as we receive our morning's gifts, tithes, and offerings. The piece that we're about to perform was written by Michael Hellman in memory of 49 people who were killed in the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida, and the families and loved ones of all those who have lost their lives because of hate, because of intolerance, or because of violence. This piece is called Prayer for the Innocents.
abundant gifts that you've given unto us, Lord, we offer back to you these are gifts, tithes, and offerings. May we be faithful to the ministry to which you've called us, that we use these, our gifts, to bring glory to your name for the kingdom of God in this community and around this world. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. from St. Mark, chapter 15, verses 25 through 32. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews, and with him they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, aha, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross 
In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking him among themselves and saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross now, so that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also taunted him. This is God's word to God's people. May we pray. Glorious Lord, we give you thanks and praise as you share yet again, as we share together in the narrative of the cross this season of Lent. May you give us ears to hear, a heart to listen, and a willingness that we might receive the good news that comes in order that our lives and our hearts will be ever transformed into your glorious light and love to shine through Jesus Christ. Glorious God, we ask that you meet us here today as we receive your message. Through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. amen. At the 8 o'clock service, they asked me, you know, what happened to uh, verse 28? If you notice, 28's not in there. And I said, it's part of daylight savings time. We skip ahead. <laughs> but in all seriousness, you know, um, remember the numbers were later editions. So some of you will have a little footnote in your Bible telling you what verse 28 says. It says these things transpired to fulfill what you had heard about his transgressions. So if you were wondering where 28 went, there was never a 28 to begin with. But last week we began our seven-week Lenten series at the foot of the cross. And we began our series by looking at the soldiers who were there with Jesus that day. Today we continue our Lenten series as we begin to look at the crowd. And I was commenting Earlier, I love how Gary gives me the soldiers, the crowd. He gets to talk about Mary, and he gets to talk about Joseph. Like, he gets the easy ones. He gives me the not so. I guess that's the joy. But this morning, we talk about the crowds. And I don't know if you had the opportunity ever to see the artwork of Rembrandt, his, the three crosses etch, uh, etching. Well, recently I was looking it up online, and as I looked at the, as I looked at the etching, two things caught my eye. The first in the center of that art is Jesus hanging upon a cross. The second is there gathered at the foot of the cross, the multitude of people, the crowds who join together with him. And they strike me because if you look closely at it, you see a variety of reactions and a, a variety of facial expressions and responses to the people there at the crucifixion of Jesus. I'm gonna move these flowers because I can't see the choir. And you're also good looking. <laughs> Y'all have very pretty white faces and uh, red, I don't know flowers, so I can't tell you what kind they are. 2,000 years ago, a large, somewhat unknown group, an unsure group of onlookers gathered at Golgotha, just north of the city of Jerusalem, to see and to witness firsthand an execution. Yet none seemed to be there by chance or by, sorry, choir. None seemed to be there by chance or by, by uh, happenstance. Rather, the soldiers, the religious leaders, all of these spectators were there for a purpose. And they had come that day to watch Jesus of Nazareth put to death. And through those present, we see some underlying responses when the, in the crowd, ways that they received that or responded to that. And though each person was different and had a different response, I think that what brought them there, there was an underlying strain within each individual. They came questioning and uncertain about Jesus and, and who he had said that he was. Their responses to Jesus on the cross are based on what they had believed or heard about him, what they had witnessed either directly or indirectly about his life and his ministry. Those things that they had chosen to receive or to reject and this, I think, is how we, too, as the crowd, approach a cross. We have our questions and our doubts when we come to it. Our beliefs that we hold, the things that we've witnessed, our faith and our hope, those things that we have been willing to receive as well as reject as we stand in the shadow of the cross. You see, as we look at the cross, the first response of the people there, of some of the people there, was that of apathy. A lack of enthusiasm, concern, or interest, an indifference to the events of that day. You see, there were people present who had no concern for the one or the ones who were being crucified. They were just more criminals being hung on a cross. 
Some did realize that something maybe significant was happening, but it still wasn't enough to truly affect them, at least not in a way that was memorable or that showed for generations to come and ages to come. And if we're anything like, or if they're anything like we are today, I could imagine them saying things like, well, I'm not as bad as that guy was. You know, I'm a good person. I didn't do anything to deserve that. Therefore, I don't have to worry about it. I'm just going to keep going. But realistically, if we think about it, there are those today who stand at the crowd of apathy toward the cross. You know, we see the one upon the cross suffering in his death, but there's little to no response or reaction or effect on their life. They stand there feeling nothing. Maybe they see a historical event, or maybe they're sympathetic, but they fail to really truly understand within themselves the significance of that moment to bring forth an inward change. In today's world, there are people who believe in Christ or who've received God's grace and mercy poured out through the cross, but still there is an apathy, this apathetic view towards the cause of Christ. They gaze at the cross unmoved by its implications. Or maybe there is some stirring, some inner movement, but not necessarily enough to really want to bring forth a changed life, to bring forth transformation. See, the cause of Christ and the message that Jesus shares with us calls us to lay down our lives in order to, that we might live for God. And in so during doing that, we serve and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Repent, turn away from sin, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And as we do that, we learn to bring forth God's glory to the world because we proclaim that good news, that God so loved the world. Yet some sit idly by doing nothing, seemingly unconcerned with the state of the world and, and a world that seems to be further and further away from God. Sure, spirituality is on the rise. But is God on the rise? You know, just this past week, I was at the Board of Ordained Ministry down in Torrance. And my, one of my responsibilities on the board is recruitment. I'm supposed to oversee a team that figures out how to recruit new young clergy or second profession clergy to become pastors. So if any of you want to become a pastor, see me after the service. I'm great. <laughs> you know, kidding aside, I'm, I'm in charge of recruitment, and I'm in charge of uh, of figuring out how we as a CalPAC conference can recruit. And it's funny because in all of our conversations, there's this underlying thing that, that the people keep saying, well, we need missionaries. We need people to come to California. You know, if you look at the CalPAC conference, we have about 30,000 members in it. We're of 11.5 million Methodists worldwide. We are one of the smallest conferences. California is one of the least quote unquote church people groups in America. There's fewer and fewer professing Christians in California, Northwest, Northeast California, Southern California. And I chuckle because I think to myself, yeah, we do need missionaries, but are we gonna hear their message when they come? We have 30,000 of them, they sit in our pews every Sunday. Are we truly being missionaries? A second response within that crowd is one of animosity, a true hatred, a strong hostility towards someone. You know, it's not that simple, I don't like you very much. It's rather, I loathe you, I detest you, I want bodily harm to befall you. you know, probably something that's foreign to, I hope, all of you. Something that you wouldn't think about very much or you would never wish upon your worst enemies, at least out loud. But do our actions sometimes betray our true feelings? You know, many in the crowd that day were openly hostile to Christ. The soldiers mocked Jesus, they cast lots for his clothes. The religious leaders mocked him. The people who passed by cursed him and derided him. The thieves hanging on either side of Jesus were mocking him and cursing him as they themselves hung there. You know, today there's plenty of people who have an animosity towards Christ and towards Christ's work. Many are outwardly and openly hostile, opposed to at every turn the work of Christ, trying to silence Christians and trying to silence the good news that is to be proclaimed and to be shared. Others are hostile to the cause of Christ in ways that they don't always realize or recognize. In our, our lives and our actions, sometimes much more subtly yet equally as devastating, go against what Christ called us to do. Tear one another down rather than building one another up. Gossiping instead of holding an idle tongue or stopping idle chatter. 
living a lifestyle that's opposed to Christianity and rather building a life on Christ and using for us the example that he set as a new creation, unwilling to follow Jesus' call to share the good news and to proclaim the gospel message, to turn away from sin and back to God. You know, the third response that people have, apart from apathy, apart from hostility, is the joy of affection, of a life that is forever transformed. Like those who've been sentenced every generation, there are those who show their love and their support of Jesus as they stand there at the cross that day. Mary, his mother, heartbroken and weeping as she witnesses firsthand the loss of her son, is there. John, the beloved disciple, comforting Mary. Jesus says, this is your mother. Mary, this is your son. He's there in support and in love, but he's there. Mary Magdalene, whose life was forever changed on her first encounter with Jesus, was there. Praise God for the gospel message, because we hear of countless women who were willing to stand at the foot of the cross in love and devotion and care. They were there, and thank God that their message continues to carry on through the ages, that they're not nameless faceless like we'll talk about in a couple weeks, but that they were actual individuals, Salome and you know, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and others who were willing to stand there. But you know, as I look at these responses, there's a host of emotions that the cross can bring. Joy and anger, contentment and uncertainty and all of these other things, but yet in the narrative of the cross, we learn a great and valuable lesson. You see, because wherever we might find ourselves coming before the cross, we know the responses can be changed. Some in the crowd that day changed their understanding of who Jesus was and what his purpose was. Though both thieves mocked him, one came to faith. One proclaimed, you know, remember me when you come into your father's kingdom. And there on the cross, Jesus said, you will be with me forever in paradise. A Roman centurion who was on the death detail, who was supposed to oversee all the soldiers who were going to crucify and who did crucify Jesus, even had the first profession of faith when he said, truly this man was the son of God. Joseph of Arimathea, a Sanhedrin, one of power and wealth and prosperity, defiled himself when he went before Pilate defiled himself when he asked for the body of Jesus to lay upon or lay into a new unused tomb who gave up everything in order to be before God, in order to give his life to Christ that day. You know, as we spend time at the foot of the cross over the season of Lent, we too are confronted with this reality of what is our response going to be like that of the crowd? Will we be apathetic to the cross? And to him who was held there, will we not really care? Will we be hostile and live in open hostility by not learning to forgive? By not learning to transform or allow God to transform that who we are? Or maybe we have a heart for affection and we praise God at every turn for what God has done through the love of his son at the cross. You see, I believe that the good news is wherever we might find ourselves, if we lean more towards the apathy or more towards that hostility, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. I call unto you by name to come back unto me. You see, we celebrate Lent because we're supposed to give up something, right? Or, or take something new upon ourselves. But when we give up something, it's not just to pat ourselves on the back saying, hey, I have not eaten chocolate for the next 40 days and I'm going to lose seven pounds. We give up chocolate, that's not what I give up, but we give up chocolate because whatever it is we give up, we're supposed to spend that time in God's presence. We're supposed to be before God in the time that we would spend doing that which we gave up. And we take things upon us because we want to grow closer to God, not to pat ourselves on the back. But see, Scripture tells us that the cross is a stumbling block. That the cross is foolishness for those who refuse to believe, those who refuse to accept it. But I love the fact that even in a stumbling block, even in our sometimes foolishness, God calls to us by name. God speaks to us and desires something more 
God desires relationship. And I believe that that relationship does come through the cross. God's love and grace was poured out through the cross. And as a result, we are given an opportunity to share in God's joy and peace and grace and mercy and love. To continue to be a witness to all the world of the joy that comes even in death. As I reminded the family, you know, this is a horrible time. And we know your loved one wasn't supposed to die this way. But God meets us in our grief and God meets us in our loss and our pain. And says, I'm never going to leave you there. I'm going to walk with you Will you go on a journey. You see, we've all experienced loss. We've all experienced heartache. And at the foot of the cross, we're confronted with that reality of losing the one that loved us but asks for us to that love in return. So today, where are you before the cross? Where's your heart before God? Is it just another thing? Is it apathy? Maybe there's a hostility. God, you don't understand. You don't know the hurts, the pain, the past, the rejection, whatever that I've carried. Or is it affection? God, even in all things, you are faithful. To walk faithfully, that your grace and love might endure forever and always. See, that's the joy of the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, that we are called to relationship. So I pray today that you allow God's love to transform truly at the root of your heart to transform you and me, that we can never be the same, having been in the presence of God's greatest gift and God's greatest love, which is poured out at the cross. So may we go forth today. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to stand as we join in our hymn of dedication from the Black Book Faith. We sing 2129, I have decided to follow Jesus. standing near you and we receive our choral benediction. And as you hold one another's hand, give a little squeeze because you know, even though as the song said, we might go alone, you know you'll never be alone. There are those with whom you always hold one another's hand. And there is one who will never, ever let you go. So may you go forth today to love and to serve, to be the light of Christ in this world, and to share God's love and mercy. Go now in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, to love and to serve. Amen. Amen. Amen.